haven't liked what I've seen from Ron Hextall this offseason, but I liked at least one thing that I heard from him yesterday. Good morning to you. Good Friday morning. I'm Dale Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports. This is Daily Shot of Penguins. Comes your way bright and early every weekday if you're into football and or baseball. I also offer up Daily Shots of Steelers and Pirates, the other two teams I cover. Hextall made himself available yesterday, a day after making a change at goaltending coach, firing Mike Buckley, replacing him with Andy Kyoto. And he went into some of that, elaborating on the process that went into removing Buckley, how it actually took a while. There was a lot of deliberation, a lot of patience, a lot of interviewing, and they ended up going with their guy in Kyoto. And naturally, other subjects arose as well. And one of them was how to replace Cody Cece. Now, if you listen to this program on any kind of regular basis, you'll know that this is a regular recurring feature on this program. How do you replace Cody Cece? I'm guilty as charged when anyone suggests that I am overinflating Cece. Absolutely. Say whatever you want about that. But there is the not-so-small matter of actually doing it. They do have to replace him. They don't have a right-handed guy to do that. They don't have someone to pair with Mike Matheson. They don't have someone of his bulk, of his physicality, combined with his ability to skate the puck out of the zone. Did Edmonton overpay for him? Sure. I don't think anybody would argue that. Could the Penguins have kept him? Could they have? Sure. If they were so inclined, they didn't. So when Hextall was asked about replacing CeCe, instead of saying, well, I've got Chad Ruedel here, I've got Mark Friedman here, I mean, he did bring up their names, but he also made another point that I found a lot more compelling. We'll look to upgrade at any position. If we can upgrade on defense, we'll certainly look at it. Uh, we don't have much wiggle room in terms of cap space, so we'd have to, to get creative. But I think Freedy and, and Chad are both guys that we feel can certainly play in the league, along with a guy like Uso and obviously P.O. So I think the other thing is, um, you know, you look at guys like, like, PD and John Marino, and we think there's there's more there. They're both young players. There's more there than they, they gave us last year, and, and both, um, you know, talking to them at year end, feel like there's more there. So we feel in some ways like, you know, there's upside in those two players, which could really help solidify our defense. Did you hear that? No, 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 not you, not you. I'm talking to John Marino and Marcus Pedersen. Did you guys hear that? Because all of that was aimed squarely in your direction. This portion of Daily Shot of Penguins is brought to you by Fubo TV. The monthly cost of cable is over 200 bucks. Fubo TV is 65 bucks a month to watch all the same channels, including AT&T Sportsnet Pittsburgh. No contract, no catch, cancel anytime. And right now, just for listening to a hockey program like this in August, our listeners... Get a seven-day free trial and 15% off your first month. 
Just go to FuboTV.com slash DK. One more time, it's FuboTV.com slash DK. I'm of the belief that I haven't been tough enough on the sophomore season that Marino had. And to an extent, the downturn in Pedersen's play from the previous year. I am a believer in both guys. I really am. I've been all over Pedersen, meaning in a positive way, since his arrival from Anaheim. But they both did descend this past season. And you know what? Neither of those two guys, both of whom are among the most intelligent athletes you'll encounter anywhere, would deny that. Because they're also their own harshest critics. Marino, when he burst onto the scene with Pittsburgh, looked like he was like on a Kale McCarr trajectory. And he was dominant at times, both ends of the rink, at everything. Now, he was held back, in fairness, by switching sides at one point and a lot of mixing and matching of partners. But ultimately, he wasn't as good as he was the previous year. Pedersen, who... I happen to think is better suited for a partnership in which he's the aggressor, meaning the one who is taking the puck up ice. Not that Mike Sullivan ever allows any of his defensemen to not do that. But Pedersen's always at his best when he's roaming a little bit more. Uh, He's a better offensive player, I'm confident of this, than what most people will recognize or give credit for. But these are the two guys, meaning the partnership, meaning the pairing. And this was the point, I believe, that Hextall was really making. It's that, listen, if CeCe and Matheson we're going to be our number two pairing, then the guys on the third pairing would still be underachieving based on where we feel they should be. That's a point that resonates with me. That makes sense. Everything I've said about CeCe to date was predicated on the idea that he'd be the second pairing guy. But these two young defensemen really should be that the Penguins have a significant amount of cash tied up in both Marino and Pedersen. I shouldn't say tied up. That sounds mean. They have well, well, they do. They have a, there's a lot of money that's on the table there. They both have three more years on their contracts that were signed under Jim Rutherford, and, and that's going to be something that's a burden if they don't ascend, if they don't improve. So if the Penguins' overarching mindset here was, look, we're going to hang on to these two kids. We're not moving them. We're not going to use them as some sort of uh, attempt to free up cap space. 
we actually want them to be the best versions of themselves, well, that's, that's, that's something that at least, you know, we can have some dialogue on, you know? That's something that I can work with. Not that anyone there would or should care what I think, but, you know, I'm just trying to share with you. Because I've been pretty demonstrative about this CC thing. And if your emphasis there is, listen, we're going to go with, you know, the obvious top pairing of Crystal Tang and Brian Dumoulin, and we want this second pairing to be something that we can really build around. For when Latang and Dumoulin maybe aren't going to be those guys, maybe Marino and Patterson are. Now, you still have the elephant in the room, and that is that somebody's got a pair with Matheson. Maybe Mike Sullivan says, listen, it's the third pairing. Let's go for someone who plays the simplest, cleanest game of any defenseman on the team. Chad Ruedel, already signed for next year. And you go with him as your third pairing right-handed defenseman. If he doesn't work out, you do have Mark Friedman. You still have Yuso Rikola, who you really don't want moving from side to side, but he's still under contract. So you'd have your seven and eight. Sometimes, you know, it just helps to hear what it is that they're thinking so you can at least consider it. Believe me, I am by no means saying that the Penguins shouldn't have made CC a priority. All of this would have been a heck of a lot simpler with him, and as I've stated many times, they needed him more than they needed the Anaheim guy. And I will remember his name at some point. I really will. In fact, I might even like look it up during this break and get back to you. When we come back, just one question. Time for just one question, as always, brought to you by the good people at the Greater Pittsburgh Community Food Bank, where they're committed to providing food for all of our neighbors in need across western Pennsylvania. One dollar from you is all it takes for them to produce five full meals. One dollar. Talk about efficiency. Go to pittsburghfoodbank.org to find out how they do this. pittsburghfoodbank.org. Today's question comes from John, who asks, With Hextall being new to the Penguins organization, maybe having less emotional connection to the history of Malkin and Latang, do you think this changes the upcoming contract negotiations, or are people more powerful pulling the strings? Some of that sounds, maybe you didn't intend to word it this way, but some of that sounds really sinister. People more powerful are pulling the strings. Uh, There's always, always involvement from ownership to some degree or other in all major decisions for all teams, in all sports, at all levels. That's just how it goes. It's not a matter of, 
owners butting in or getting involved. They literally own the franchise. They can do that sort of thing. Hextall being new to the organization, sure, he, he's not going to have the same sense for what Latang and Malkin mean uh, to the city, to the team, uh, to the fan base, to the business component, which should never be ignored. And I'm not saying that in any cynical kind of way. But one of the reasons that the Penguins have enjoyed the sellout streak that they have is that they've had this core. It's not just Sid. It's not just Sid. When you have star players, you have star attractions, particularly the casual fans to businesses that are looking to entertain and buy suites and things like that that you know we don't tend to talk about much in the sports writing world but are a very, very real thing. Those are influential. Now, I'm going to sound really bad by suggesting that that's why the Penguins would want to keep Malkin and Latang. I'm really just making the point here that owners do get involved in these things. My understanding from the Penguins themselves is that they're committed to finding a way to get both of them signed to extensions. They don't want either of them walking into a lame duck year they want both of them, if possible, to spend the remainder of their respective careers in Pittsburgh, if it can be worked out. We'll see how it goes. When you look at the contract that Alexander Ovechkin just signed in Washington, it was a five-year extension with an AAV of $9.75 million. I'm here to tell you right now, that ain't happening. That would make zero sense for this franchise. Uh, Ovechkin is in a maybe different spot in D.C. because he's going to be chasing Wayne Gretzky's goals record. He's in a market that, while it's become a terrific hockey market, some could argue that it took a while to get there. And maybe if there weren't the superstar draw there, that it would fall off to where it was before. But the Penguins won't be paying Malkin or Latang that kind of money. What they'll do instead, I believe, is approach both of them, individually, obviously, and say, listen, we respect and appreciate everything you've done. We'd like to keep you here. We'd also like to, you know, surround you with some talent. And we'd like to get you another chance to win. You guys have told us this is where you want to be. This is where you want to win again. That you want another crack at it. Let's do it together. Let's figure it out. Don't worry about what they did in Washington. We're not Washington. And I think that they will come to terms with both of those guys. I do hope, though, and I say this respectfully, I do hope that the dollar figures don't end up surprising in a negative way, uh, meaning hurting the cap, because that that would not be a 
good move for this franchise moving forward. I appreciate the question, John. I appreciate everybody listening to Daily Shot of Penguins, not just today, all week long. It's amazing the amount of listens and the amount of feedback that we get to this show when there's really nothing going on right now. But that tells you a lot about hockey fans uh, in Pittsburgh and people who follow the Penguins everywhere. We'll do this again on Monday. Uh